Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Almighty Lord of light and life, you have called us this day to open our minds, our hearts, and our spirits to your word and receive the encouragement, healing, and hope you offer. Graciously grant us patience and willingness to serve you in all we do. In Jesus' Amen. And now join me in the Old Testament lesson today from Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. You can find it in your Pew Bible, page 634. I will sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded rotten grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there for me? to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield rotten grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a wasteland. It shall not be pruned or hoed and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will, also the command, I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished garden. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteousness, but heard a cry. Here ends the reading. And now please join me in a reading from the letter to the
I apologize for my excitement to begin my reading last time a little too early, and I thank the choir for letting me join them today. <laughs> so please do join me now in the epistle lesson from Hebrews, um, chapter 11, verses 29 uh, through 12.2 on page 226. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land, but when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, and shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, made foreign armies to fight. Women received their death by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins in, of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the sake of joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Here ends the reading.
Good morning. Praise be to God for our time together in worship this day. I invite you to turn to page 50 in your pew Bible for our sermon scripture lesson. Page 50 to Exodus, the third chapter, in verses 1 through 12. Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness, wilderness and came to Harup, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, he looked, and the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He said, I will be with you, and this shall be a sign for you, that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
First giving honor to God, to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, to Dr. Conforti, to each of you as the members and friends of First Church, we thank God, my wife and I, my wife Carolyn and I thank God for the opportunity to be in worship with you on this day. As we prepare to hear a word from God, I ask that you go into prayer with me for just a moment. Let us pray. Order my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me, guide me, Father, I pray. Send your anointing, order my steps in your word. Gracious God, as I stand beside, behind this holy desk, I ask for your guidance. Take me out of self. Use my voice that I might speak your word. And may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, for you are my strength and you are my redeemer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. For a few minutes this morning, I ask that you think with me on this question. Do you hear God's call? Or do we hear God's call? Say that with me. Do we hear God's call? If Moses were having a conversation with us this morning, my hunch is that he would tell us that the time when he saw that burning bush is a story he will never forget. And just like Moses, there is a story in my life that I will never forget. I grew up in the church attended Sunday school, vacation Bible school, Boy Scouts, and was in the youth choir. I accepted Christ as my Savior at age 13. In my teen years, I clearly recall sitting in church, focused on every word coming out of my pastor's mouth. In college, the first date my wife and I went on was to church. Fast forward to 1975. I had recently graduated from North Carolina A&T State University. I had studied industrial technology manufacturing and had recently accepted my first job in California as a quality control engineer with a company that made equipment for the U.S. Department of Defense. I drove across country in my brand new 1975 Chevrolet Vega GT <laughs> to get to my job. I found an apartment, made friends, and got settled. I was blessed to have made friends with work colleagues who immediately invited me to church. As a young adult, and not only was I building a career foundation, but because 
of this great group of new friends, I was strengthening my Christian foundation in a church similar to the one that I had grown up in in Shelby, North Carolina. I had a very encouraging pastor who preached the word, who shepherded the flock, and who sang to the glory of God. I was in church every Sunday and even joined the young adult choir. As a 22-year-old firmly rooted in a new church home in a state on the other side of the country, truly I could testify, it is well with my soul. But then, then something started to happen. As I continued to be active in the church, I started to hear a voice. It was a quiet voice, but it was a clear voice. It was the voice of God. Yes, even at a young age of 22, I knew it was the voice of God, and he was calling me to preach. Even though I had recently started a new engineering job, had just graduated from college, God had something else for me to do. And I had no doubt that he was calling me to preach his word. I did not fight it. I accepted the call. I sought counsel from my pastor. We prayed. And making a long story short, shortly thereafter, I preached my trial sermon. Church. I heard my call. I heard God's call. This morning, the question for us is, do we hear God's call? That is what this text is about, helping us to hear and to respond to the call to ministry for all people in our lives. Not ministry as vocation, but ministry in our lives. As we look at our text, the call of Moses begins at Mount Herod, which is also called Mount Sinai when we look at the story of Moses and the Ten Commandments. But in this morning's text, a story that many may be familiar with the story of the burning bush. We see this future leader of Israel encounter God for the first time. Moses is going up the mountain. He turns and sees a bush on fire but not consumed. Leaves are still green. No ashes going up in smoke. The branches are not crackling and falling off. It's just burning. Truly, God has Moses' attention. We might even say he stopped dead in his tracks. We might even say he is fascinated by what he is seeing. Moses soon is in awe of God as God speaks to him, calling him by name, saying, Moses, Moses. After Moses 
answers God with, here I am, as we read in verse 4, God speaks, saying that the ground where he is standing is holy ground. Did you get that? God said to Moses, the ground where you are standing, where I am speaking to you, is holy ground. Church, don't ever forget that when God is speaking to you, you are in a special place and you are on holy ground. When you get up in the morning and God is speaking to you in your prayers, you are in on holy ground ground. When God speaks to you when you're trying to figure out the complexities of family and friends and work colleagues, you are standing on holy ground. When the storms of life are raging and God speaks to you with guidance on what to do next, you are standing on holy ground. And when you are standing in your house and God has blessed you and you begin praising God for all his goodness and all he has done for you, and your soul cries out, hallelujah, you are standing on holy ground. Here is Moses standing on a mountain on holy ground, and God is speaking to him. We ought to stop and reflect on this for a moment. In biblical times, mountains were many times places of revelation. And not only that, mountains were a place where God proclaimed a message, sent people to pray, or to commission them to ministry. Look at scripture. In Genesis, uh, God tells Noah about going on to a mountaintop when the flood waters recede. When we look at Matthew, it says in, verse, in chapter 17, and six days Jesus took him, Peter, and James, and John, his brother, and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. This is where God spoke, saying, This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Luke reminds us, And it came to pass in those days that when he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. The most mentioned mountain in the Bible is Mount Zion. And most importantly, in Mark 15, Jesus completed his ministry and showed us how much he loves us on a hill, a mountain, known both as Calvary and Golgotha. The hymn writer, the preacher George Barnard, puts it this way, singing, On a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it one day for a crown. And there is also some spiritual symbology when we Think about mountains. Think about it. When, when you are up toward Black Mountain or up toward Lake Junaluska, like Dr. Conforti and I were uh, two weeks ago, and look up, look up. It is as if the mountain is where heaven meets the earth. 
church, when you are listening for God's direction for your family, when the storms of life are raging, when you are seeking direction for the vision and mission of God for your congregation, look up, look up, look up. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to follow David's advice from Psalm 121 where he says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help, my help cometh from the Lord. So it is on this hallowed spot, on a mountain that God reveals to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And yes, it is here that God announces his intention to deliver the people of Israel from bondage. God has heard their cries. God has said he will lead them from oppression to the land of promise. In all of this, God has called Moses to this important leadership role. Again, the question is, do we hear God's call? Brothers and sisters, there's a lesson from Moses' calling for each of us. Moses was called to be a leader for liberation. And the word of God also tells each of us that we have a calling. Sometimes we get calling confused. Sometimes we think calling means for vocation, like God called Dr. Conforti and I to preach and to pastor. But the Bible teaches that we all have a calling. Before Jesus returned to heaven, as we read in Matthew, he gave his disciples, and we too are his disciples. He gave us a calling, a command, which we call the Great Commission. Here is our call. Go therefore and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded to you. And here's the part I like. And behold, I am with you always. I'm with you always. Church, God calls every one of us, laity and pastors, when God gave us this call, his expectation was that all of his followers who heard his message would become disciples too. And then they too would turn and make more disciples and they would make, make even more. A continuing cycle. Brothers and sisters, that is the foundation of a thriving church. The work we are doing at the Congregational Faith and Learning Center at Hood Theological Seminary is about helping congregations to thrive. Our tagline is, we help build stronger churches. Our website, if you want to know more information, is Faith Learn Thrive, all one word, faithlearnthrive.org. And a key component of a thriving church is that the congregation that is the members of the church what do I mean? Well, there are three core items for us to think about. First, leadership. What a challenging time for congregations and the church that we live in now. We need to pray for our congregations, our leaders, our laity, and our clergy as they seek Christ's direction. 
through our learning communities, our ministry labs, our coaching, and our workshops at Hood, we seek to help congregational leaders, the laity, to refocus on the things that mean the most, both to our local churches and to the church serving in the community. And in so doing, following Christ and the vision for that local church to go to be the church to all people. And as the local church looked for ways to reach out into community through discipleship and through service, we might just find some new, unexpected leaders capable of meeting real needs in our congregations. Secondly, adaptability. The importance of adaptability right now cannot be understated. We are living in times of change in this world and in the church. So that means we as Leaders, we as the church need to adapt so that we can reach people outside of the church, in the community, and that might even be on different days of the week. We must learn to be creative in the ways we make disciples. The word of God stays the same, but we adapt our ministry methods to reach and build a stronger church. And then collaboration. Oh, these past two years of COVID have shown us that the emotional and mental health of people has been, has been affected greatly. Many people are facing mental health challenges, depression and loneliness is at an all-time high. But Christ called us as his church to play an important part, and we all have a part to play. Community agencies, schools, and churches, and neighborhoods in collaboration will be a great way to impact the world for Christ as we continue in the midst of change again and again. Yes, each Christian has a responsibility to help build a thriving church. The question is, do we hear God's call? With these concerns about the condition of the church, sometimes I wonder, do we Respond to God's call on our lives like Moses. In our text, in verse 10, we see the Lord called Moses for this leadership task. Moses responds in a very questioning way. It's like he is saying, who, me? Or even... Are you talking to me, God? Or maybe it was like, excuse me, uh, uh, could you repeat that? Yes, Moses responds, but it does not sound like he is committed to the call. Moses says in verse 11, who am I? Sometimes when God calls us to a ministry to be involved in a, a church activity, to lead, when God calls us to serve or to lead in his church, our response is to think that we are not qualified. Somebody else should do it. Or even like Moses when he said, who am I that God sees me as worthy of such a responsibility? I like the perspective shared by evangelist Rick Reiner. He says, when God calls you, he will equip and prepare you to effectively complete the assignment on time. He will use every aspect of who you are 
and where you came from to bring about his will in your life. Brothers and sisters, each of us is called to build a stronger church, to make disciples for Christ, for the transformation of our community and the world. And the only way we can do this is to follow God's leading. Whatever our role in the church, we must serve and lead by following Christ. So even if you are one of those folks that thinks you are not equipped, be encouraged, knowing that God will not give up on you. Our text affirms this. God provides assurance to this reluctant Moses by stating that he promises to be with him. This is a promise where God even says he has given him a sign that the children of Israel will worship God on the mountain he is standing on. What an assurance. God said, or Moses said, who am I? And God says, I got your back. It was a promise Moses could take to the bank. Yes, when God makes a promise, when God calls us to do something special in the church to help it grow, to thrive, God will keep his promise. There is no promise proclaimed by God in his word that he either has not or will not keep. You and I and Moses know that the promises of God have a stronger guarantee than the money in our pockets. Can I get an amen? amen? Church, God calls you and I to help build stronger churches. When we understand the complete story of Moses, we know he understood the awesomeness of his call. And Moses ultimately hears and responds to God's call. We know this because we read in Deuteronomy, the 35th, 34th chapter, verses 10 through 12. And let me share it with you. Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. So I say to us this morning, let us hear and respond to God's call to help build a stronger church not just our local church, but the churches in the community. Let us not be afraid. God will equip us. Let us be change agents for moving from a mindset of survival to a mindset of thriving as a church in the kingdom of God and the community. We must throw off fear and proclaim to God and to the world saying, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. We proclaim, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. We go forth proclaiming, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when we are open to listening to God, it causes us to hear the psalmist who says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. As I close this morning, I want you to know that I am hopeful and I work to build stronger churches. When we set out to start our learning communities, we had a goal of having five churches in a learning community and we sent out an application and we actually got nine churches to apply for those five spots. I am not, I am hopeful that we will, with the help of God, build stronger churches. But I'm not just hopeful because of these numbers. I am hopeful because like God said to Moses, I will help be your help. Jesus says to us, wherever you go, make disciples of all people, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And then he says, remember, he says to me, he says to you, he says to Dr. Conforti, he says to each of us, remember that I am always with you until the end of time. So I say to you, First Church, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Yes, I heard God's call. Yes, I will follow his lead. Yes, I am committed to building stronger churches. And I pray that you too can testify to the words of Charles Wesley when he said, a charge to keep I have, a God to glorify, a never dying soul to save and fit it for the sky. But then he goes on to say, to serve the present age, my calling to fulfill. Oh, may it all my powers engage to do my Savior's will. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. Amen.